0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Leverage and Beverage, a show about businesses and the best beverages on the planet. Today we have a special guest, uh, Bill um, Butromovich, is that correct?
1: Yep. Good, good job, Greg.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, it's one of the hardest ones I've had so far. So, um, But um, today we're talking with a really cool brand that I came across called Seaview Beverage. And uh, Bill, you're, you're, you're the VP, is that correct? That is correct. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the brand, what you guys do, um, how you got into this, and then we'll kind of snowball from there.
1: Cool. Uh, yeah. So it's we're a beverage distribution company. So we distribute non-alcoholic beverages uh, to the Jersey Shore, uh, Ocean and Monmouth counties in particular. My father, um, he worked for Hoffman Soda when he was like 18 years old and then ended up working for Pepsi at a South Carney as a truck driver. Um, he, he, he had a young family and Decided in 1989 to try to go off and do his own thing. So he ended up, um, he was like one of these like man in a van kind of guys that would go mm. and like buy product in the supermarket and stuff like that and, <laughs> yeah. bring, and bring on sale and then bring it home and then try to flip it. And um, he it was, it was tough in the beginning. And it was weird because I, you know, I was old enough. I, I was seven when my dad started this. So I watched him literally build it you know uh i was aware of what was going on and everything so it it mean it's really personal to me obviously because i saw all the hard work and everything that he put in but eventually he ended up um he ended up acquiring the distribution rights for Snapple in uh 1999 so At the time, Snapple had blown up in the early 90s, and there were multiple distributors. And then slowly, one by one, they kind of went away, and he would gain more customers and more territory. And then in 1999, he purchased the rights to Snapple for our territory. And that has been basically our anchor brand. When you have an anchor brand like that, where every outlet needs, Mm -hmm. needs it or wants the product, then... It allowed us to to bring in new products and then and basically build brands. So we're in the brand building business for the most part. And what we do is we we use our um we have uh good customer, we have relationships with customers that we've dealt with for 30 plus years now. And then we introduce them to the most new and innovative beverages in the game, um, up and down the street for the first time.
0: So I guess you could say you've been in this since like day one, pretty much.
1: I have. Yep. I, uh, we, we like, we went from like my family's garage to a storage unit. And then from a storage unit, we ended up, we, we came into this building actually. And uh, we were, we had uh 15,000 square feet of warehouse space and my dad used to go out and sell the product himself and then come back and load the truck up and then go out and deliver it uh, <laughs> yeah but yeah but i was there i was there for all of that and then as we got bigger and um you know my mom worked here it was like it was a, it was a family business for real and then uh yeah and then it was cool i i loaded i worked here every summer as a kid and then even once i got into high school i was loading trucks at night. I was part of like the night cruise. So I would come here after, after school and, and one thing led to another.
0: It's one of those cool things about family business is that, um, I don't know, it's, it's so ingrained in your growing up. You almost feel like, Oh, everybody else's experience must be like this. You know what I mean? I guess their parents probably doing the same thing.
1: (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. It was weird. It was, it was, was, I didn't know any better. Like you're saying. Yeah. But, um, but I, I did know that I did see like my dad is like actually a really smart businessman, you know, mm. and he never went to college and he was a truck driver and I've always respected and admired the way that, and this goes for our general manager that's here and our sales manager, they're all truck drivers mm. and these are business savvy people that, you know what I mean? Don't have sure. degrees and stuff, but they know the business really well and they know how to make money doing it, which is pretty hard. Ho- you'd be surprised how many people try to get into this and and they're they're not able to survive but sure um so i i learned uh, you know school of hard knocks kind of you know you know quote it's like i i did learn a lot of very like business savvy things growing up around guys
0: like that so what what was that like i guess you as a kid like you mentioned like your garage being just full of all types of beverages <laughs> you know you know what i mean it's it's one of those things where I think we don't even completely understand how how that changes our psychology about business. Because you, 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 I think a lot of people, when they, they get to a certain age, maybe mid thursday like, oh, I think I might start a business. But it's almost like you've been, um, what's the word? Um, like subliminal message to since you were younger, but oh, you know, you can make a living doing this. This is how you do it. You kind of buy it here, and you can sell it Ooh. here, which seems so simple, but um. I don't know. Just what what was that process like? And and even like the progression of that from the garage to the storage unit.
1: Yeah, it was, it was funny in the beginning, I was too young to where um, I specifically remember he used to get like cans, like Coke and we would sell them. And I I would just like go into the garage and take the cans and roll them down the driveway and watch them like explode. Like, you know what (laughs) what I mean? That was like, that was his inventory. Yeah. Yeah. But um. But as I got older obviously I started to realize he was doing pretty well for himself and um I I don't know if this is something that I necessarily grew up thinking I this is what I definitely want to be when I grow up but I was smart enough and lucky enough to I always kept one foot in the door and I and you know and I was fortunate enough to be around a bunch of other people that he was friends with that had been in the business for a mm-hmm. long time and you'd be surprised a lot of the guys that I deal with now. There are colleagues of ours that own other distributors. Their father started them, and we're all pretty much in the same same category. It's not the most glamorous business by any means, but um, you can make a good living, and you could take care of your family if you, if you do it the right way.
0: Sure. Um, it's one of those things, too. I think sometimes people realize in any type of work, it's almost like they think they have to love it before they start it. And sometimes there's that relationship where you can start to do it, and then, oh wait, I really do like this. Whether that be the business side or just the content of the business. So for you, would you say that, like, if this family dynamic was the same in a different industry, would do you, or do you think the industry itself of the beverage really makes the business well rounded?
1: It's it's too hard for me to tell because people like they're,
0: what they're they're so intertwined.
1: They're too intertwined. People like what they're good at. Sure. So. If you're a good athlete, you, you know, if you're naturally gifted and have good hand eye coordination and you're you're naturally athletic, you're gonna like playing sports. And if you're you know, if you're really good with science and stuff like that, you're gonna drift in that direction. So but it was one of those things to where you don't know it at the time, but you're learning every day and you're growing up a certain
0: kind of sure. lifestyle, and then um, it just becomes kind of ingrained in you. So what is it about, you know, consumable drinks that that you'd like? What is it about the business that you like? I mean, we talked a little bit before we got on air here about some of the newer brands coming out, some of the ones you've kind of brought in house here. Um what excites you about that space?
1: Yeah, see, recently there's been and I would say in the past like 10 recent by recently I mean like 10 to 15 years, there's been a ton of innovation. So mm. for the longest time it was like Coke and Pepsi were that was, you know, not that that was it, but they took up a lot of majority of the market share mm. and people obviously there's a huge obesity problem in the country and people are looking for to get away from higher fructose corn syrup. And um, they're looking for healthier alternatives, less calories, zero sugar, stuff like that. So, and uh, what, what I do like about the industry is everybody drinks non-alcoholic drinks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can relate to anybody at some point, everyone takes a sip of something and they're like, Oh, this is good. Or, you know, we have a lot of products that are sent to us that are, some of them are way, way before their time, you know, mm. it's like too, it's too far. The market's not ready yet. It's not ready yet, you know, and, and they have, they have to wait for the market to mature or it just, it just doesn't happen. But, um, but what, what's kind of cool is I get these, I'll get like products shipped to me like weekly and. I'll open them up and it kind of reminds me of you know you ever go to like when you're in the movie theater and you're sitting there and you're sitting next to your your wife or one of your friends and you're the trailers come up and you and you and you you always give them your honest reaction as soon as the trailers. Come. Oh man, that looks like it's not going to be any good or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. like, and it's like we kind of have products and I understand it that this is people's, people put their life and their soul and everything into these products. So I, I try to be very respectful of that. But you can't help but be honest when you try a new product, like, oh, this looks really good, but maybe it doesn't taste well or maybe this message sure. isn't going to get across it, or something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, growing up like homebrewing and stuff, it's one of those things where, you know, you can kind of see in their face, you know, oh, I can tell you don't really like it. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? um, But it's funny you mentioned the market. Uh, maturing because there are there are so many products that I, we've seen over the years or even other types of uh, businesses where um you are right the market is just not ready for it yet sure you can see you can tell there's something there yep. it's almost like um remember vine like 6 years ago mm-hmm. it was like the short form video and i have tiktok which is like everywhere it's almost the exact same thing that's right but it just was the timing thing as far as the market
1: do do you know what i have realized too is like just because I've learned that just because I don't like something that does not mean that I won't take it or, or it's not going to be incredibly successful. Hmm. So I learned that pretty quickly. Like just, do, you, do you have, uh, do
0: you have specific examples uh, of ones that
1: you, well, not so much me, but I did learn from my father. So um vitamin water being one of them, he's like, why would anyone want to drink anything that tastes like a vitamin? Like vitamins are just notoriously like not, they don't taste well like you know it's <laughs> yeah. disgusting why would i want to drink a vitamin water or you know price point is also something so like back in the day it was in, it was crazy for someone to consider paying two dollars or 229 for an eight ounce can of red bull when mm. there was that was a price point that it just was not realistic at the time and now you're seeing like cbd beverages and you know, price point doesn't really matter at this point. The people, people go after whatever, you know, whatever the consumer wants, they're willing to pay for
0: it. Yeah. That, that's, that's so true. I don't, I don't know what that is, but over the past, like, I don't know, it seems like three to four years, that price point thing is kind of just like thrown by the wayside. Yep. Like people like something they'll, they'll pay for it. Like, especially in like the craft beer world, I've seen that over and over and over again. Like yeah. people are paying like $13 for a single can of a beer just because they want a chance to try it. Exactly. And it's like before at $13, that would get you almost a, full rack of Budweiser. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I
1: know it's, it's people want what they want and they're going to prioritize where they spend their money. And I just have to make sure that we have the
0: the right products that cover all the bases pretty much, regardless of price point. So as a, as a distribution business, what would you say is one of the, the biggest sticking points or the hardest points about, um, I guess both running the business day to day, and then also entry into the business?
1: Well, running the business day-to-day, luckily I have a really great foundation of managers that handles day-to-day getting trucks out on the road and getting product loaded and stuff. Um, So... Employees employees are, are hard. Sometimes it's hard to get good employees. Um, especially truck drivers. There's a there's a truck driver shortage going on hmm. in the country. And um you're seeing less and less laborers, labor, you know, people wanting laboring jobs, especially with like, you know, the grub hubs of the world and stuff like that. People right. are making pretty decent money doing that. So um these these labor jobs that, you know, warehouse workers and We have like merchandisers that go out and fill shelves in supermarkets. And these are jobs that don't necessarily make a ton of money, but they're necessary to to the business. So those it's been hard to to fill those positions and keep people long term, obviously the goal. And those are the positions that I respect the most because that's the way that I grew up. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. like I respect truck drivers without truck drivers we could sell all the product in the world and nothing gets delivered it doesn't matter <laughs> sure, you know man. what i mean so uh, and pre- that's pretty
0: integral to distribution <laughs> yeah and
1: it's like that's what my dad was and that's what the people that run this place were so and are so i i have the mo- utmost respect for them and i do whatever i can to try to keep them um but that's that's probably the most difficult part of the of the business and
0: then as far as Getting into the space we were talking a little bit before um the show here, and you mentioned that it's kind of there's certain segments of this market that are hard to break into right you know some people have a, a foothold or a bin there what what's the what's the biggest um barrier to entry i guess
1: yeah, so um you need incremental vo- you need volume, so you need to have a brand that is gonna do a lot of volume to make it profitable to send trucks out and in order to do that um you have to have vendor numbers and everything else. And there's, they don't basically uh, like the chains and stuff that we deal with. So like target for instance, or Wawa, they don't want 50 different beverage trucks coming into their parking lot to make deliveries. Mm. So they have a Coke truck come with all the Coke products on it. They have the Pepsi truck come and then they have our truck come. And really, I mean, it would be really hard to, I guess Red Bull did it. They they kind of they just distribute just their own product. But it it's you need substantial volume in order to get those vendor numbers and um to make it profitable to do business.
0: Yeah, and it's almost like you also don't want to be dropping stuff off with like a half a truck. You know, you want to fill the truck up and just empty the truck.
1: Yeah. And I mean, if you're able to and like everybody comes to us first when they're looking for distribution because they know it's like plug and play. Okay, we're going to sign up at Seaview. We're going to sign a contract with them. They're going to do all the cases that we're going to sell in Ocean Monmouth County. You're going to come through them. We know that if we sign on Target, they're going to be able to get us delivered to Target. We know that if we get into CVS, they're going to be able to get us to CVS. See, one of the things is if you're an up-and-coming brand and you're trying to scale you can't make those chain calls and you can't get into uh, CVS, Wawa, QuickCheck if you don't have complete distribution coverage. Mm. So it really prevents them from expanding too. So they're looking for partners that'll cover the entire footprint. And between us and then uh, other distributors that we work you know, side by side with, we're able to cover the footprints that they're able to pay to get into these Mm. these national accounts and have complete coverage.
0: Yeah, it seems like a a really hard thing to to swallow too. It's like you mentioned the Red Bull example and it's like if they're just distributing their own product, they go to one place, drop off, I don't know how much at a time, a couple cases and just go on the next. You know what I mean? It seems like a lot of legwork just for...
1: Well, there's a lot of money in it. And, sure. and, and Red Bull and Red Bull turns enough to where it's worth it. If you go into a store, Red Bull still has like a half a cooler door or mm. even more even in a Wawa, you know what sure. I mean? And what they do is they don't necessarily we pre-sell. So all of our guys go out and then they sell, they're selling right now, and then their orders are going to come over, and then we're going to load the truck with all the stuff that they ordered. If you only have one brand, you could just load the truck with that whole brand and then you can go in and see what the customer needs and then just pull it off
0: the truck and fill it. Mm. so it's a different type of way of doing business got it got it got it um so what do we have here what is this that we're drinking
1: yeah so this is uh this is probably my favorite uh new product that we've been distributing uh we've had it for it's been a while now it's been probably a year and a half it's called lemon perfect and uh the owner is this uh this wacky guy who I love. His name's Yanni Huffnagel. And, and he, wacky name too. Yeah, he he's uh he was a ex college basketball coach. Oh really? Right. Yeah. Um I don't know. I, I should probably know that. Hmm. Um, but he's really a really high energy guy. And basically he used to he knows that he knew was into drinking um water with lemon in it, and it has like uh it could help with your gut and stuff like that in the morning. So he ended up developing this product where it's a half a squeezed um, California organic lemon in water. And then it's it's uh, sweetened with some organic stevia and erythritol. But um, it's just a great product. It's really light and it's really refreshing. The packaging sticks out to me. You can drink it in the morning. You can drink it at night it covers all bases of this is all my opinion but it covers all bases it goes over all bases of the market like it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what you know nationality you are or your age or anything it's like anybody can drink a water with lemon in it and it's just very simple and i like simple like sometimes we overthink things some of the brands i get are just like i'm like this is there's so much going on here like you <laughs> you have to like like if you have to imagine me then translating this to our sales team and then my sales team translating the benefits of this to sure the the convenience store owner and it's like there's so much that gets lost you're, you're not getting your point across but this is just so simple and it's so refreshing um this is a this is going to be
0: a billion dollar brand i i really enjoy this actually it's um it reminds me of a something that Poland Spring did a couple of years ago. It was like, a, it was a carbonated beverage, but it was like basically Meyer lemon, um, carbonated water and like a, like a green tea extract or something like that. The,
1: the thing is most of these companies don't put actual lemon, real juice in it. Hmm. And this is all real juice. This is real juice. Yeah. And, um, they just had Beyonce just invested in it. Really? Yeah. And Jalen hurts and <laughs> really? all, all, all these like pretty big people. Um, but it's blown up, and like anybody, it wasn't a it wasn't shelf stable originally. So when he came in originally, he showed me the product, and it tasted good, and it looked good. But I don't have refrigerated trucks.
0: So the lemon would degrade
1: every time. So I, I was like, this this your business it doesn't it doesn't make sense for me. So um, he ended up coming up with a shelf stable version, and
0: it's been terrific. Yeah, this is really really like I, I think sometimes people. I think you're right. People do too much. Yeah. Sometimes think, less is more. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I don't know. I think I think of this in contrast to like the the many different lemonade drinks you might see and how much sugar is in some of those things. Like I have a sip of like one of like those like Turkey Hill or something, like yeah. lemonades. And it's oh. like, my gosh, I can have like maybe like a shot glass full of that and I'm like good to go. Yeah. This is something I feel like I could like consistently drink.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's I mean, I think there's a lot of white space out there right now. And there's a lot of um, industries that lack innovation that could potentially um, hint, hint, see a new drink come out that could, I don't know, give people a healthier option
0: for sure. Yeah. yeah I saw that on your, um, on your guys website, you had like a, a health thing there. And even some of the other brands that you guys represent, they seem to be in that same ballpark, if you will.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're constantly looking. I mean, it's, it It makes you feel good when you sell products that, you know, I got three children and that's something I, I want to sell products that, not every product, but I want to sell products that I could give to my family and something that if somebody's looking to improve their health and wellness, I mean, I want to provide product, the right products for them. So, I mean, that's where everything is going, obviously. Hmm.
0: How, is, how have you guys seen that market shift over the past several years in, in the health arena. I mean, especially even in like Philadelphia, I know you guys don't distribute there, but like um, even like those taxes about like the sugar tax. And like... Yeah.
1: I'm really tight with the, with one of the big distributors in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was, that was, that was, that was, it, it, it didn't really make sense. I thought it was kind of an attack on the beverage industry because
0: there's sugar and sure. all
1: kinds of things. Like,
0: Oh so, yeah. 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 Oh yeah. 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 And, <laughs> and that was specific to, sugary drinks soda i think right? correct yes. okay yes um but yeah so have you guys like tangibly seen like as far as like market segmentation like uh, oh the health industry is definitely on the upswing
1: yeah i mean well the biggest one to me is seltzer mm. so for years i mean for a majority of time i mean seltzer was kind of had a stigma of being an old person to drink and mm. um in reality i mean it comes packed the same way that sodas do and it's carbonated and it's in a can and it's the same price point and i it comes in different flavors now so polar seltzer is one of our biggest um suppliers and the amount of people that we saw jump from sodas and csd's over to seltzer has been really like mind blowing i mean seltzer is like my kids drink seltzer now it's it's, it's wild i mean um why do you think that is i think that they like flavor they haven't been they haven't been drinking sugary drinks so their palate isn't like overwhelmed yeah it's not overwhelmed it's like so i think you know you give them uh they make these little cool ones too for kids they're called like uh juniors and they're they're basically they're eight ounce cans and they have like funny names like unicorn kisses and yeti mischief and they're fun so you get kids drinking that and then they become accustomed to it and they don't think that there's anything weird with them drinking a seltzer you know what <laughs> I mean? So yeah. it's it's pretty cool um and obviously the premium water business has been through the roof more people are drinking water now than ever before um we helped build essential water that was one of them that we did and um that brand and their owner ken is like one of the most stand-up guys that I've ever met in the industry. He had the brand for like 15 years and then it just blew up. Yeah. So it didn't just blow up one day, but I mean, it was a lot of hard work, but people getting out of sugary drinks, they didn't mind treating themselves to a premium, healthier alternative. All right. I'm going to drink water, but I'm going to get the water that I want. I want to spend the two bucks on the water and get the one, you know, instead of going
0: for the economy package. How How many different water brands are there in the industry. No, I mean, I feel like it's, Dude, it's endless. <laughs> it's endless,
1: but I mean, for a long time, like Nestle with like Poland Springs and in, mm. in like, you know, on the East coast, they would just, I mean, how much of the water set was just filled with just Poland Springs. But to be honest with you, there's no, there's no margin in it mm. and it makes it hard to do business. I mean, if you want to buy a five, $5, 40 pack of Poland Springs water, I can't, I can't make money delivering that because it's so cheap. you know what I mean, mm. so people wanna go pick that stuff up from Home Depot or Costco or whatever by all means like that's fine i mean i th- I think Poland Springs is actually pretty decent water but um here we we basically we work on premium water, so mm. we, we wanna
0: we wanna have the good stuff. What's the one I've seen one around before? The um, like the ionized water, the the pH. Uh, yeah, that's essential. That's essential. It, it is essential. It
1: is. Yeah. Yep. And um, and so basically, it's like alkaline water. Mm. Yeah, it was actually the first water to ever be put in a medical journal, proven to hydrate you faster. Really? Yeah. Pretty impressive. And then, um, they ended up they signed Patrick Mahomes, and they they were they had a really awesome company culture hmm. the people that worked there really cared about the owner and the owner really cared about the people he used to have like he was from washington state and he would have like his company parties like at his house he would just have everybody over like he was just he was like um kind of an older guy but just like salt of the earth and just I really admired the way that he handled himself and that's something that I've really and I when I saw him I told him I said that's something that like has resonated with me and that's the kind of culture that I want the people that I work with to to think about, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I want the people that I I want the people that work at SeaView to know that I'm working for them just as hard as they're working for me, I hope.
0: Sure. Yeah, and in conjunction with what you said earlier about when you have certain segments of employees who are hard to find, that becomes even more important. Totally. Retaining those people who you want to keep. Yep. Especially, you know, they're going to do a good job. They're consistent. I mean, you know, the, and then even to train new people, you know what I mean? It's, oh. uh, it can be a nightmare. It can. Um, it's like a vicious cycle sometimes. Um, yep. So um, I, I even saw on your guys' site, you guys do have an emphasis on that. You guys want to promote that. It makes sense to keep people around who do a good job. So how would you guys say that you guys do that well?
1: Well, um, see... In the big scheme of things, we're we're we are a small family business, so we only have between fifty five and sixty five employees working typically uh, per payroll. So what we try to do is, as we continue to scale and grow, we try to promote people from within. We also. I'm very open to new ideas. So like, we're not like one of these, well, we've been around for 30 something years and this is the way it's done and you can't teach an old dog new tricks kind of thing. It's right. like, no, sometimes like you hire and you bring in somebody new and they view something completely differently because it's a new fresh set of eyes. And uh which you want. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's it. Every time I interview anybody, I say the same thing. All I want is a high character person who takes pride in what they do and just wants to be part of something. Hmm. And that's it. And I will teach you the skills to get by as long as you are self-motivated and you you come from a good place.
0: Yeah, so autonomy is one of those things like we just said. It's it's it gives the people the ability to almost work on a business within a business. Let them kind of take control of their own tasks as if it were their
1: business. Well, that that's pretty much exactly what our sales routes are. Like we we train you and teach you, but everybody has a different way of selling and being personable, obviously. So on our sales routes, they get paid for how many cases that they sell. Mm -hmm. They go work all day, all night if they want to. I mean, it's literally their own business inside of our business. So
0: do you think that, you know, in a lot of ways that, why do you think people try to exercise control over their employees as opposed to giving them a little bit of free reign or autonomy at times.
1: I think it depends on the, it, it depends on the business that you're in, to be honest with you. Sure. So like, for instance, it would be hard for me to, to give my merchandisers who were supposed to be packing out stores full autonomy, because the truth is, I mean, I needed them to be in certain places at a certain time to mm-hmm. to do what they have to do. But um when it comes to like selling or being creative or something like that, of course you want to, you want to take the, take the chains off and let everybody, you know, get after it. But there's certain things that are just like, you, if a guy goes out with a, with a truck for us and it's filled with cases, it's like, and it has 250 cases on it. We need them to be back at a reasonable time. You know what I mean? Otherwise the cases are just, you know, the average case cost doesn't make any sense. So it's like, There's a fine line you got to, you have to, and you have to pick and choose your battles and
0: it's just like anything else in life. It's just managing pretty much. How does the, so I'm talking about the actual distribution. So the actual putting the product on the trucks, getting it out there. It seems like some of the biggest factors which might impact that would be things such as, you know, inflation and gas prices could Mm. be a big um, contributor to, Hey, this could really affect our business. Um, so what are the, some of the ways that you guys either buffer that or try to say, hey, you know, here's how we can get a, ahead of this stuff when it does come as at certain times it inevitably will over the over your lifetime. But um, what are some of the ways that you guys do that?
1: Yeah. So obviously, um, there was a huge supply chain issue for a while. Oh, yeah. So a lot of people weren't able to get product. Um, I personally manage the inventory myself. So I keep more product on hand than I think most people do, especially corporate companies that they want to keep the least amount of product on hand as possible so that they could use that money to do other things with. But, um, you know, some of our suppliers, we saw two, three price increases within the past 18 months, you know? So the, our, we had to, we, we went up to our customers and the customers passed it on to the consumers and that's all part of it. But the way that we stay ahead of it is execution. So, our competitors typically don't have sales and field reps that go out in person anymore to call on their accounts. And, um, and what we do is we try to be a little, I we're more customer friendly being that we go to the accounts, but we also, we have lower minimums than others. So like Coke and Pepsi, it'll be a 20 case minimum to get a delivery mm. and we're nine cases. So we understand that everybody, you know, if times are tough, everybody can't afford or ha- have the room to, to have a 20 case drop off. So, um, but we, you know, I think a lot of people during COVID they let go of their sales teams and they just did everything through tell, cell or they told their customers, all right, well, you're going to, you know, sign up online and you can place your order through our website. And we continued to send our guys in and we, we saw the customers that struggled and went through problems and we were there for them and we tried to help them out and cut them special deals. And, you know, we, we didn't have any minimum any order minimums at that point. And our business was thriving, by the way. But we're part of the community. We're we live where we deliver the product. Everybody here, you know what I mean? So I think just I think that benefits us. Mm-hmm. And also one of the ways to get ahead is to make sure that we're constantly signing the newest and, and the and the we're we're aware of what's going on in the market and in the industry so that when the next big brand comes out, we have it, we already have it and we have a good contract with it. So, I mean, that's where you get your, that's where you're getting your volume that we don't even, you know, down the line, I'm signing the brand that's going to be my next volume for years from now mm. I'm signing them now. And then we build the brand together. So I mean, we build. I mean, we built some of the industry's biggest brands. Like, we were involved in Snapple, we did Soby, we did Vita Coco, we did Va buy, uh buy Essential Water. I mean, these are these are brands that sold for billions of dollars. So and so, we and we introduce them to our market, literally. Yeah. Sure.
0: So I guess it makes you know, there really is like a joint venture there in that if you have a vested interest by these contracts that you have, yeah. We want to make people order as much of this as they possibly can because yeah. we're the one fulfilling it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, and it builds equity in our business too. So mm. these contracts, they it's equity to us. So um, and also it's and then when you go in to sell the new next biggest brand and you go in to sell the lemon perfect. Our customer has seen that we've had a good track record, him and he sure. and he's able to
0: trust us. Um, yeah, so it seems like a lot of, at least at least some of the success in this business can be tied to, you know, picking some of the proper products that eventually will do really well and have a huge market share. Um, you no, know, you know, so without maybe giving away any trade secrets or anything, like, what are some of the ways that you guys filter through products? Or say, I'm sure you get sent hundreds of products. Mm-hmm on a weekly, monthly basis. Sure. um, Do you have a process that you go through? Hey, this is why we think this could be successful. This is why this one probably won't be. Yeah. At least in our eyes.
1: Yeah. And that's to me, honestly, that's probably like one of my best attributes. Hmm. So just, it's been years literally of having new brands put in front of me and just being the kid sitting in the the side of the room and just listening to everybody else. I'm part of a a distribution group called NIDA Hmm. and we cover basically from maine to philadelphia all the different independent distributors best in class come together once every 2 months 3 months and we'll get everybody in a room together and there's just an invaluable amount of experience and and guys who grew up in the industry And then, and then brands will get in front of us and they'll present to us and they'll present, they'll get the, they have the ability to present to all of these people at once instead of coming from, going to distributor to distributor. And what I've learned is you could basically, you can evaluate a company based on where you're getting their, where they're getting their money from, the kind of infrastructure they have as far as, are they beverage people? Do they have beverage people running it? There's a lot of people that have these great ideas and they have great products and they have great branding but they're not beverage people and they don't understand how to get Mm -hmm. to market. They don't understand that when you sign up with a distributor, what you're, what you're, you can't sign up with me. And then, and then when, you know, Wawa is like, Oh yeah, I like your product, but you don't have distribution for half of our network. Now I'm just going to just send it to me direct. Like you have, we're partners. Now I'm going to build your brand and do all the hard legwork for you up and down the street where these cases don't just fall off of our trucks. you got to actually go out and sell and explain the product to customers. Um, And, and then I look at their distribution network, like who else do you have that's selling the product? And typically if it's, you know, there's, there's the A class and then there's the B and the C class. And like, I, you know, I like to think that we're part of the A class, and mm-hmm. I want to see A class distributors,
0: you know, with them as well. Yeah, I think from an outsider's perspective, it always seemed to me that distributors, for the most part, were were simply middlemen. But as uh, as I'm rec- talking here, I realize that's not really the case. It's like you're kind of also with with some of these contracts that you have, you almost have equity in in the brand, right? In, in part of that build, so it, it, it's cool because it gives you guys like an incentive to really be like, "Hey, these are the ones that we want to build." So when someone has a product they bring it to you um, you know it's 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 nice to have like that mutual vision of this is what we're we're trying to do here
1: yeah it doesn't do me any good if the distributors around me that, that have it aren't aren't going to be able to sell it so mm-hmm. it's like i could be the best distributor in the world and it could be the best product in the world but if i'm only selling it in ocean in Monmouth county and they're not selling it in the city and they're not selling it in atlantic city or philadelphia Hmm. It's like the brand's not going to go anywhere. And I really need the brand to do a ton of volume to really make our contracts and our business worth more money. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah.
0: So it sounds like you guys operate in Ocean and Monmouth County. Is that right?
1: Correct. So, which is basically the, it's the Jersey Shore sure. for the most part. Yeah.
0: Um. And so what are what are some things about the beverage distribution landscape or how, how it's structured from a legal perspective of what you can and can't do? Like for instance, could you bring on another County or is that not allowed or what, what's, what's the the deal there?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, basically all the territories are accounted for now above us is the actual corporate company, Garrick Dr. Pepper. They distribute a, a lot of the products that we distribute for just North of us. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and then we work in affiliation with uh, Breyers High Grade, and they also have the area above us that KDP, the brands that KDP doesn't have, and some and some other brands. So it's to get more territory would be ideal, mm. but realistically, this territory has been accounted for for a very long time. Mm. Um, l- legally, I mean, it. I would be stepping on a partner's toes if I went and tried to sign a brand for for somebody's territory up north because hmm. we work in unison together to build brands, you know what Got I mean? It. So, so e-
0: even, even your competitive landscape is more, you are like almost strategically aligned.
1: Yeah, we're not competitive against one another. We're right. we're both trying to, we're on the same page. We're trying to sell the most amount of cases that we can. Um, now, when it comes to brands, that's when things get competitive. So for instance, like I grew up hating Arizona IST because I'm a slapper guy. <laughs> you, mean, you know what I mean? So like, it's yeah. like, yeah, that's that's when I'm competitive. It's like I want I want Essentia to be on the shelf, and I don't want you know this brand to be on the shelf. It's like so sure,
0: that's where I'm fighting for shelf space, and I'm fighting for market share. And so you guys kind of decide, you know, I guess you guys could theoretically partner with several, uh, as we talk about many different types of water companies, you could partner with. We do, but you pick the ones that you think have the best chance of success and that's part of your due diligence process correct got it yep so tell me about snapple snapple like, as you mentioned is one of your anchor brands it seems like you have a big affinity for snapple uh and i'm sure your 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 dad does as well that's my baby <laughs> so what is First of all, tell me about the brand itself. How the brand started, and then maybe if you want to kind of branch off into just some details that I I, I haven't had a Snapple in years. I haven't even thought about a Snapple. It's for years. so good, but it really is good. I've had. I the glass jars. I remember the glass jars yeah, yeah, they yeah. used to have. Yeah,
1: yeah. Do they I still mean, have that or now? No, they they got away from glass just recently, within like the past like two years. It's so good. If you haven't had a Snapple, I'm telling you, like with <laughs> with a bagel or like a slice of pizza. It's so good, and I get it. People are trying to get away from sugar and whatnot, but um, it's it's really a great product. How many how many a flavors great. does Snapple have? Oh, a lot, like like north of thirty. Yeah, about that. About about thirty or yeah, so. and then they have like so many different package sizes as well. But Snapple is a northeast brand, so that's in New York. It was you know born in New York, so um, we're in there. This is the hotbed for Snapple. Like around the rest of the country, Snapple is not as big as it is here. And it's had different owners throughout its time. Um, and then a couple years ago, uh Keurig bought Dr. Pepper Snapple Group. And basically Keurig is has um has the buying power and the infrastructure and the capital to really compete with the Cokes and the Pepsi's of the world. So hmm. um so it's nice. We've had great support from them. Um, but the brand in general, you know, it was kind of like in a time when Coke, there was Coke and there was Pepsi and then there was Snapple and it was like, kind of like, it was kind of like a quirky, like brand. It was like a fun brand, you know? It's like a that,
0: quirky tea juice thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, they had like, they had Howard Stern, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he was talking about it and like the Sopranos and like, and,
0: and there were Snapple facts.
1: Yeah. And Snapple facts and like, you know, and like all these like, all these like weird cultural things if you were from the Northeast and, and it, mm-hmm. it really resonated with people and it became like a staple. Like, I mean, to this day, I mean, if you go into, if you go into a deli or or whatever, like they all have, they all have sample on them. Yeah. It's a good. It's a really, it's a great product. They just actually, they went from, uh, it's no longer diet snapples now it's zero sugar snapple Hmm. and like diet has a kind of a negative connotation at this point. So they're trying, they tried to move away from that and they restructured the bottle and made it all out of recycled plastic. So they're trying to be environmentally uh, they're trying to be consciously, you know, pay attention to the demands that people want as far as uh, recycling and being environmentally friendly. And I think they're headed in the right direction for a while the brand was like kind of stale. Like they re- totally redid the package and everything. So I, they're trying to get a younger consumer. They've really like, they just recently brought uh, back the elements, which when I was growing up, they were like a couple, like they were cool. They were like shaped like almost like a genie bottle. And there was hmm. like, a, it was like a side, it was like a side gig that the thing that they had, and they just brought that back. And we've seen a lot of success with that. So what is it? So basically they like, there's one that's called Fire and there's one that's called Rain and there's one that's called, mm. um, they have one com- coming out called Earth that we we tried at a meeting last week and they're, they're good. They're just basically, they're just like, uh, they're trying to like be creative and, and which, I, which I like. I mean, you know, you don't want to get, you don't want to get pigeonholed.
0: Sure. Yeah. I think that's really important. I think sometimes I had a conversation with a woman last week and we were talking about um, creativity and, and branding and just um experimentation with things. And it's almost like you you might have some that flop or don't do well, but you almost have to go through that process. You have to go through that kiln of being like taking on that the public onslaught of their feedback in order to get those ones that do hit. Oh, well, I mean,
1: have you seen Liquid Death? Yeah. Yeah. We do we're liquid death. And I mean, that's like talk about create you know call it creative call it what you will they totally flipped the game on on its head and there are i mean
0: that is a serious brand that is a legit beverage brand what what is what's the, the call to action there for that brand i'm guessing i mean from what i've seen it's very much a um like a punk Yeah. Emo kind of like it's got like a death metal. metal. But but
1: really what they're doing is it's 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 called liquid death because it's death to plastic. Oh, I see. So Hmm. like it's the water bottle industry that's under like real scrutiny about about plastic bottle pollution. They don't say, you know, there's uh an island the size of Texas in the Pacific Ocean made of Coca-Cola bottles, they say it's made of water bottles. So they're trying to, and so liquid death is death of plastic. It's the first. It's like not the first, but it's obviously it's in an aluminum can, so it's recyclable.
0: And um, it's what is it's about plastic that like gets people out of whack because it seems like you could have aluminum can that's recyclable and a plastic bottle that's recyclable. Yeah, somehow it's like the plastic. Yeah, just... but
1: only like thirty percent of the of the plastic actually gets recycled. Why? Compared, why is that compared to aluminum? They said that like the same. Aluminum has been recycled and reused. Like it's like some staggering, don't quote me, but it's like 80% of the aluminum is being actually reused from like the 1960s.
0: That's wild. Yeah. Why why doesn't that happen with plastic? Like why what what is the is it the consumer base that is taking on plastic? No,
1: I think like even just like everybody recycles at this point. I mean, I would like to think so for the most part. And it's like I think it's just it's too hard for them to, to actually sort out. Hmm. Interesting. I could be completely wrong, but I, yeah. I know that there is far less. Um, the, the conversion rate is just not, not good for plastic. Hmm.
0: That's really interesting. Yeah. I just finished this lemon. Perfect. This was really, really good. I really enjoyed that. I, I don't say that often, but like, it's like, I, I'm so used to drinks that just bombard your palate. And it's, you can't, it's not like a, like, a lot of drinks, I guess, like don't play the long game. You know what I mean? It's, it's like we're just here for that five minutes, and then we're kind of, you know.
1: <laughs> Which makes no sense to me. I want people that could drink like 10 of my drinks a day. A hundred percent. Right? Like, you know, that, that's your business. That, like, that is your business. <laughs> yeah. You know, even like kombuchas and stuff, and there's a lot of great – they're great for what they are, but
0: I mean, how many of those are you really drinking a day? Right. How about how about the the energy drink – Community. Um, what role do you guys play in in that community?
1: Well, a lot of the a lot of the soda drinkers are have just switched over to energy drinks. Hmm. So there's been like an exodus in the in the carbonated soft drink category. There's so many people that drink soda, and hmm. they're and they're I mean so much more than you than you think. Like, and they're looking for they're looking for alternatives and the energy drink category has been taking a vast, they've taken a lot of those customers. And now a lot of the energy drinks are, don't have calories. So it's like they're kind of firing on all, all cylinders. So like Coke has monster red bulls, its own entity, which they just partnered up with um, KDP who are partners with in Mexico. But um, we have the energy drink, Business is booming and now you're starting to see energy drinks geared towards specific segments so Hmm. we have like um alani new which is uh as far as i'm concerned the first energy drink really geared towards women younger women um and we have uh ghost which is an energy drink geared towards um you know it was a supplement company. So let's say gym slash gamers. We have G Fuel. That's geared towards gamers and people who create content um online. Uh we have Uptime, which is geared towards like maybe a little more sophisticated, older crowd that wants a resealable top and a little more of a um intricate flavor profile. So it's like it's just become it's it's its own world i mean you look at especially going to a convenience um channel it's like you going to a convenience store i mean half the coolers energy drinks at this point hmm. so um energy is big energy is real big and it's
0: continuing to grow yeah energy drinks um i don't know I, I don't drink too many of them i think typically because they've had i mean when monster first came out it was like all of those chemical compounds hmm. in there and now I think there's other things involved. Like I know even um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Jocko has his own energy drink. It's called like I forget what it is, but um, but it's almost like you can get that rush of that energy with like and none of the yeah downside. There is, yeah, that there's
1: I people used. that are creating like natural energy and everything as well. So I mean that's like a whole yeah. It's just it's 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 so big of a category that there's just it's got its own it's got its own like subcultures in the category that you know there's people that want just all natural energy there's people that want 200 milligrams of energy there's people that want 300 milligrams of energy there's people that want a really sweet flavor profile there's people that want you know uh blockchain amino acids like i mean it goes on (laughs) and on and on it's like there's a lot but at the end of the day, it's about I don't know, it's about flavor and branding
0: and and everything else. It seems like that's not a bad strategy that these like micro um segmentations have kind of developed in that, you know, if I can this is a, a big category, but I might have to just carve out my space. If I can be the best in my space, then I, then I then don't have to worry about anybody else kind of encroaching upon it's this. just like
1: social media and everything else. It's mm-hmm. like, all right, yeah, I might not be you know, there's people who are influencers that they might not have a presence on Instagram or something, but they kill it on, you know, it's like everybody has their own, everybody has their own outlet and that's basically what it is now. And you're, and I think with like the, the rise of social media and you're starting to see like influencers are, I mean, we have brands that literally get their own, that name their flavors after social media influencers at this point. Really? Yeah. Like what? So like G Fuel has um a couple of them. They have uh Pootie Pie, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, he's got his own um, Alana uh, Ray, or, or she's uh, uh, she's um, she's got her own with uh with Alani New. Okay. Um, yeah, it's like, hmm. I you're like. It's crazy to me, but I mean, but I kind of like the, I kind of like the people telling you what they want as a, and like people organically following or following people on social media rather than a couple, I don't know, big suits in a big corporation deciding
0: what they think is cool and stuff. You know what I mean? Let the, 100%. Let the people choose for themselves. Have you guys had any like major requests? So I'm guessing if you have a group of salespeople who are out and about, selling current products in your lineup. I'm guessing you get some feedback the other way and they're like, Hey, listen, we kind of want this. Do you guys have that? Or is that not so much how that works? Uh, not as far as brands. No, that they,
1: they want, um, they want to pay by credit card. Hmm. That is something that we were like cash check or sign or ACH payment. They want to pay by credit card. So we're incorporating that. Um, Nothing that can't be like, you know, we're, we're open to everything, whatever our customers want. I mean, I have, as long as it's, you know, makes sense. Um, I mean, Coke, like so basically there's a lot of our customers that can't get Coca-Cola from Coke.
0: Hmm. So they've asked us for that. No, not really. Hmm. Um, let's kind of move on and talk about some of just the operations of the business. Mm -hmm. So for you, what's a what's a day in the life of, of bill look like? Mm
1: -hmm. Um, so typically in the morning I come in and I reconcile the loads from the day before. So basically I go through the stops that were delivered and I count the cash, check out the invoices, make sure that everything matches, create a deposit, Um, then I'm in, I, I have a lot of meetings with my suppliers. Um, you know, we look at new brands. I do my inventory. Um, and then whatever I'm doing new, like right now we're, we're putting together a new, uh, new website and I'm looking for ways to evolve the business pretty much. Um, we just incorporated, uh, it's cool we incorporated this thing it's called retailer portal and it's part of our vip system which is what we is our accounting system and it's also what um our customers can go now go on and log into their account and then see all their invoices that they've had see what they when they paid their Mm -hmm. signature the products that they ordered but now they can actually order products on the on there too so if uh you know, if our salesman goes in and the guy's not there, or if our salesman goes in and he's super busy and he's it's lunchtime and the guy's making sandwiches, but he he still wants to order product and he forgets to maybe hit him up, he could say, oh, "All right, well, I can go on here and I can still order product."
0: Hmm. Give give the customers options. That's really yeah, I that's it. About.
1: Like I, we, everybody's busy. I want to give my customers the. I want to make this as easy as possible. You know what I mean? So what yeah. any any benefit and advantage I can give them, that's what I'm that's what I'm going for. Yeah,
0: I think I forget who told me this. But one of the best ways to complete business and, and do business is to be easy to do business with. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you want to, all right,
1: you want to pay me this way or we we want to do this, or like, you know what's cool that we do that I'm like I, I don't think that anybody else or not, few distributors do is I guarantee all my products. Hmm. So if it doesn't sell. It gets picked up for free, hmm. so the only thing I ask is like, let me try to put something else in that in its place, because if it's not moving and it's not selling, it's costing it's costing us too. It doesn't do us any good either. We want our we want our customers to have feel loyal with us, so if we come in and we say, hey, we got lemon perfect and it's killing it, and you should try this, and for some reason it's not turning in this guy's store. I'm not going to leave them with it. I'm going to take it out. I'm going to try to put something else in there that I think will do good. So, it's it's a no lose situation for our customers.
0: Hmm. Um, what's your what's your vision? I guess for the future. So you kind of have outlaid some of the ways that, um, or at least some of the beverages that that you like. Some of the trends that are kind of happening now. Um, I guess as, and you've also kind of alluded to some of the ways you like working with customers, being there for them, showing them, giving them options as far as how to best interact with you. But overall for the brand, what what do you kind of see going forward or what areas would you like to kind of move into? So
1: unfortunately it feels like um, there's more and more corporate accounts and corporate chains that are opening and less and less mom and pop accounts Hmm. so like there's more wawas and quick checks opening up than there are you know independent delis and stuff like that so uh, in order for seaview to keep growing we have to align ourselves with all the biggest and best partners because those are the people that are going to acquire brands um, and that's what's going to drive our growth so right now we are partners with anheuser We're partners with Constellation Brands. We're partners with Nestle, Keurig, Dr. Pepper. I mean, we have really, really tight group of, you know, of all the biggest players to where if there's something new that comes out on the scene, the next Red Bull, the next vitamin water, the next, you know, completely innovative product that becomes a household name, which will happen, we're aligned with them. So it's going to have to, you know, it would come through us. And that's, and that's what I'm, I, I, it's my job to make sure that we're ready to scale and that we're ready and prepared for when that time comes, because you never know. I mean, KDP has $20 billion in cash that they want to spend on acquiring new brands. That could be, that could be crazy. I mean, that could change my life. You know what I mean? So, but if I'm not prepared and we're not ready to do this, then They drop all these cases on me, and I don't have, you know, I don't have the infrastructure that's able to do that. Then, Mm. you know, then that's on me. So I'm not going to put myself. We've been doing this way too long. There's people have worked way too hard for all this. I'm not going to. I'm going to make sure that we're we're ready and we handle our business so that when the time comes,
0: we're we're ready to go. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's good to think big. You know what I mean? I think sometimes people, part of the problem is people think too small.
1: Oh, no way, man. I am th- I think way big. <laughs> I do. No, I I, know. I think really big. <laughs> I mean, if you're in my, one of my sales meetings, I'm, I'm like, most of these guys are looking at me probably thinking like, what the hell is this guy talking about? But <laughs> I really believe it. And they know that I really believe it too. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll tell you, I think that at least half the guys in the room really believe it too. And- we've and and when you and when you're genuine and you're dead serious they can they know that they could tell right away you know um so
0: no i like that I, i'm kind of the same way in that a lot of people ask the question like like why or how and i'm usually like why not you know what i mean like why why I'm already why, here. why can't it be us i'm already
1: here I'm, we're already working we're already going into these accounts Mm. We already have all the trucks and everything. Why would we not get the next Red Bull? Mm. If it's if it's not us, and I've been doing it my entire it's life, <laughs> who the hell is it going to be? Like, yeah, it's like it better be us. I've devoted my entire life as well, as well as half the people that work here. It's like it better be us. And I think anytime you know somebody comes in to talk to us, they could tell right away that we know what we're talking about, and it's like which is why i've like you know we we've i've i've been tossing around the idea of you know just start creating our own brand so that's something that um that i've considered and we've been working on and,
0: and that would just do. be like just self distribute your own your own stuff
1: yeah it would and then and then but then i'd be able to sell it to other distributors too because sure. right now i'm confined to my own territory right so like i always have that confinement on me so hmm. i'm always looking for new brands to really drive growth cool but if I have my own brand, I could. It's basically limitless, hmm. and yeah. I I already know the whole distribution network and and everything
0: else. And, yeah, you know. honestly, that that type of knowledge of the industry is the stuff that is the hard part. Like you're saying before about, yeah, they might have a good product, but they're not beverage people.
1: You know what I mean? No, it's I mean, it's, it's like
0: th- that spider web of things that has to happen to get the product from manufacturer to end consumer in hand. That's that's the part that's that's where the value in the business is is making that connection with the end. Yeah, consumer. I could
1: talk shop with people all day and like a lot of these people that create the brands, like Yanni, this is like this is an amazing brand. And he's and he hit everything on the head one hundred percent. It's like he was a basketball coach. It's like I literally've been humping cases my entire life. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we know the industry and it's like I, I know what distributors are going to be looking for? I know what stores are going to be looking for. I know where you have to be placed. I know where there's opportunity. Like that's the biggest thing. It's like hmm. there's like a lot of opportunity out there. And people are trying to create like the craziest things when really like I feel like it's some of it's just sitting right in front of your face.
0: Um what's what's the what's the craziest um sample or drink that you guys have received in-house in the past couple months? That was just like like you said, it might be. Not either good or bad, just like whoa, like what is that?
1: The first thing that comes to mind is like there was this, like Cognizant brand that would like basically was telling you that it was going to like you know play with the molecular structure of your brain for the most part. <laughs> this is this is a while ago too. This is like years ago, and I was just like, like how
0: set? So? Like it would just?
1: I, I I don't know. It was it was it was it was just. It was like a brain drink, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was like, this is going to this is going to help you. Everything is going to help you focus more and this and that. But I was like, so obviously the first thing I asked was like, can you help? Can you explain to me like what this is (laughs) going to do to my brain? Like and like it's just it was too much. It was like a doctor made it like a guy who like, you know, it was like a neurosurgeon. And it, and then he had a sales guy trying to, like, ask, you know, like, explain it to a room full of beverage guys, and it just, it didn't translate, you know what I mean? Mm. That's not to say that it wasn't well, a brilliant idea, it was just, it, that's a hard translation, that's a did, hard sell. Did, did you
0: try it? Yeah, I tried it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> obviously, it hasn't worked. <laughs> yeah, that that's yeah. kind of honestly. If I saw it on a label, it's like going to change ooh, ooh, your brain. I'd be like, yeah, that's uh, kind of scary. Yeah, <laughs> like,
1: it's, it's, but there's a lot of stuff. I mean, we've obviously been dealing with a lot of um, CBD stuff, and now there's going to be a lot huh. of cannabis stuff, and there's a lot going on.
0: What about um aloe drinks? You guys see a lot of those? No,
1: no, man. Is that like an, a, a blip on the radar? I don't know. I don't want to offend anybody, but I just feel like Aloe has been trying to be... allo's mainstream in other parts of the world. I mean, especially Asia. I mean, it's big, but it just hasn't caught on here. Hmm. If it was going to catch on, it would have caught on literally like 25 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I've never... I don't think I've even...
0: I, I can't remember if I've actually tried one of those, but... There,
1: there's actually like... There's a couple cool brands like that i've met with them and like these people are cool and they're normal people and they have like a cool brand but I, I you know detox water is one that comes to mind i like the brand i do it just i have to be able to sell at this point it's gotten to the point where my floor space you went out there is so valuable we have to be able to sell a lot of it hmm. if i can't sell a lot of it it's like i can't afford to keep it on the floor
0: no no that makes, that makes sense um so the title of this show is Leverage and Beverage. What is has been a major point, I guess, in your tenure here where you could have had a major point of leverage? Like, oh, we made this adjustment and that really allowed other areas to open up for us. So if you can think of any specific examples where you were like, this was a real unlock for us being able to get into a new market or scale to a significant degree What are some of those things for you?
1: Yeah, it was when my dad purchased the sole exclusive rights to Snapple. Hmm. That really, like, it it our competition went away for the most part, and um, and then we just became like the guys moving forward. That was that was the most important thing that's happened in this company.
0: It's like it's like a big brain move, you know what I mean? Like back in the day, especially back then, because it's like he paid he paid like a million bucks for it. We
1: He didn't like have, we didn't have any money. Like, you know what I mean? Like he mm. took a loan from the bank. Like, sure, it's like that was a million dollars to him in 1999 it was insane. Um
0: But that shows, it shows, I guess some of the track record of being able to choose and select certain brands that will endure over time.
1: Yeah. It was already big. We were already selling a ton of it. So, um, but
0: you know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me see any um any other major eye opening experiences that you've had over the past couple of years that have been i guess monumental or um things that maybe could have been like somebody um you know a speaker or something that really made you think different about business ooh <coughs> um
1: well i i listen to a lot of I listen to a lot of books and stuff like that. Um so I take a lot of um I take a lot in from these um Are you good? I think so. Yeah, go. Good. Um I take a lot in from these meetings that I have with other distributors. Um, and we get everybody in the same room and there are some really brilliant people there. They're all just normal guys and we all joke around and you know, we go out to dinner and we have a great time together. But the combined knowledge between everybody is like priceless. Mm. I mean, there's some there's you know, these guys run all of New York City, they run all of Philadelphia, they I mean the whole the whole gamut, it's pretty impressive. I have a guy that, basically, I talk to him daily, and he bas- he's basically like has groomed me, you know. Besides my father, obviously, like groomed me into looking at business a different way. And there's no there's no one person in particular. Hmm. I try to I try to take I try to take not advice. I just listen. I think listening's huge.
0: Listening is one of those things that when you start doing it, it becomes, you realize how much it actually, you, you actually glean from a certain conversation. When when you don't engage the way you, you know you can, and you're kind of either waiting for, hey, let me just say what I think I should be saying next, or X, Y, and Z. It, it's just, and you really focus on in a conversation, just saying, I'm going to listen and see how that is different, different experience. And it really is life-changing.
1: <laughs> it really is. And I mean, just content now, I mean, everything is so available to where I just have like, I'm like backloaded with stuff that I want to listen to that I just, you know, I have something in front of it. I'm listening to this, I'm listening to this. I listen to, I'm inspired by listening to the owners of, of all these companies and stuff. And, um, you know, I listened to the book about Ben Weiss creating buy in his house and selling it for almost two billion dollars and stuff and so like it's impressive man i mean and i know him like you know what i mean like yeah, you're, yeah. i was like we're one of his first distributors and you're like damn like it's crazy grew up in new jersey just like doing the same thing as us and <laughs> yeah. it's like nuts so i get an inspiration from all kinds of things i also like i have a sense of responsibility to my family and all the people that work here and you know my wife and my kids and I want to do better than my dad did that kind of stuff too you know what i mean yeah, yeah. it's like that really motivates me more than anybody speaking
0: how about um the the day to day business that's not about you know the vision and all that but just the the day to day stuff and the operations of the actual business like you have other things to worry about like you have payroll you have accounting stuff you have employee management um how how does that affect your Your day-to-day work.
1: Yeah, it's a grind. I mean, you know, insurance and, you know, stuff like that that people don't really think about, you know, Mm. like people getting injured or there's, you know, 60 people that work here that all have their problems and stuff going on and, like, people bring stuff to work, you know what I mean? And Mm. it's like, yeah, that could be frustrating or lawsuits about stuff or – car truck accidents and you know just like every day the power goes out and there's a storm and the night crew can't see at night and you know like yeah just like regular stuff that you, you wouldn't even think of but it's just part of the it's just part of what it is people not showing up to work that's obviously yeah but <clears throat> but you have to like learn to like I i've learned from my father to i can't let i can't let every single thing drive me crazy yeah there's constantly going to be stuff going wrong all the time so you just have to like you know getting super pissed off about it or overreacting to it is just not it's not productive
0: cool bill well thank you so much for coming on today i really appreciate the time um if there's anything that you want to plug or put out there to people the next few moments are yours I just want to
1: thank you for uh, having me on and uh, it really was a pleasure talking to you. I could talk about drinks all day, which (laughs) is obviously a sickness of mine. Um, But uh, yeah, it was great having you here and it was great trying to, this is, you know, the distribution business isn't, there's not much glamor to it. So, Mm. and there's a lot of people that work really hard to get the product on the shelves of when you're out doing your grocery shopping or you, you know, and these people are some like, you know, they're kind of behind the scenes and unsung heroes in a way. So, Mm. um, For all the people that put in the hard work, I just, I really respect what they do. And all the people that work for me, I really am super grateful to work with such good people. And I know I really care about them. And I hope that, you know, I think that they
0: really care about me too. Cool. Well, I appreciate it, Bill. You got it, man. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you're not yet a subscriber, please go and hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and all major platforms. And you'll get notifications whenever new episodes are posted. If you want to write to us, our email is leverageandbeverage at gmail.com. And if you follow us on Instagram, it's at leverageandbeverage. I'm Greg Sobosinski, and you've been listening to Leverage and Beverage. As always, keep pushing forward one sip at a time.